Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 25 on what Abraham and all of the patriarchs had that made them satisfied, and that satisfaction or peace came from the promises of God. Now, this message is available for free listening and free download at friendshipwithgod.org and also on iTunes.com. Just search for the Friendship with God podcast. Now it's Tuesday, and we're already one day into the Summer Blitz. It's a campaign that goes to August 4th to reach lost Jewish people. We're sending out 110 missionaries from Israel Restoration Ministries, and Tom Cantor is the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher here on Friendship with God, and he's a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ as a Jewish person who got saved and received as Jewish Messiah. He wants others to be saved and reached, so he's sending out on DVD his life story and conversion testimony, as well as a combination book that incorporates three of his writings— his personal testimony, and his Frequently Asked Questions book with 34 of the top Frequently Asked Questions by Jewish people, and Prophecy and Fulfillment book with 194 Prophecy and Fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ as his Jewish Messiah. Now, you can have these same materials and support Jewish evangelism with a donation of $40 or more, and we'll send you a copy of these materials. You can help reach the Jew first with the gospel. Call us now at 800-247-3051, 3051, 800-247-3051, or go to friendshipwithgod.org to support this Bible teaching radio program or israelrestoration.org. Now here's Tom Cantor teaching us about the satisfaction of the patriarchs and Abraham over the promises of God. See, what Solomon is saying here is he's saying, he's he's saying, we can't give God anything because it all belongs to him in the first place. But he, he can bless us when we give, and he will bless us, and it's important, therefore he's saying, to be generous with God and give him back what's, what's already his anyways. Now, I'm sure that Solomon had in mind, how, how, how did the Jewish people get all their initial wealth in the first place when they left Egypt? And God took it from the Egyptians and gave it to the Jewish people. And we read about that in Exodus 3.22, where it says, but every woman shall borrow of her neighbor. Women are very good at this. And I've heard that sojourneth through their house jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and you shall put them upon your sons, upon your daughters. You shall spoil the Egyptians. Now, you might say, that doesn't sound fair. That just doesn't sound fair. Well, from a horizontal point of view, it was fair because the Jewish people were just collecting their back wages. They built a lot of pyramids, so, you know, <laughs> a lot was owed to them for those pyramids. But, and, but from a vertical point of view... It was fair because God owned everything that was in Egypt. And if he decided to take what is his and give it to the departing Jewish people, that's fair. So so we've seen that the abundance of things is not able to satisfy because there's always this haunting thought that I might die and then I won't have these things. So what do I do to keep myself from being attached to these things? Uh, What I do is I keep in mind I'm putting this together for somebody else. And one of the things I do, I label things so someone else can use it. Even my refrigerator, I label containers. Now, I know what's in those containers, but I label them. Clint makes fun of me for this. He, he says I put clearly marked labels on things, you know. When I put one of those clearly marked labels on a bottle, I think to myself, now, if I die tonight, the next person, he needs to use this, not just throw it away. Like yesterday, I made some very good lemon garlic cream sauce. 
and I put a big label on it, lemon garlic cream sauce. Well, I knew it was lemon garlic cream sauce. I made it, and I, it was right there. But I thought, well, what if I die tonight? And then Clint comes over with the boys for Bible study tomorrow, and then he finds this, this, this thing. I don't want him to throw it out because it's very good. So he should enjoy the lemon garlic cream sauce. So I got it very clearly labeled. It's healthy for us to see ourselves as temporary residents with temporary custody of what we have. It helps us looking at our stuff and thinking, my life, my, uh, my life is good, not because of the things I own. So if the things don't satisfy or bring fulfillment, what satisfies? Well, what Abraham had and what all the patriarchs had that made him satisfied is given to us in Hebrews eleven thirteen, 13, where it says, these all died in faith not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. So Abraham was satisfied in life because of what he saw and what he embraced. And Abraham saw the promises of God, and, and he saw those promises of being with God for eternity. And, and Abraham not only saw those promises, but you know, he saw them, but he embraced them. And Abraham said to himself, I'm going to God, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be with God forever. And that verse says that the saints not only saw the promises, but they embraced them. And it says, in other words, they hugged them hard, those promises, so hard that those promises persuaded them. It changed them. See, their hug on those promises was so hard, they began to make life decisions based on those promises of going to heaven. See, what life decisions would we make? If we not only saw but embraced the promises of going to heaven harder, one day, well, one day we're going to be going to heaven. One life decision is to look at our lost friends and say, I want to be with that person for, in heaven for eternity. I don't want my friend to end in hell. I'm terrified but for him. So I'm going to do my best to persuade him to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. As it says in 2 Corinthians 5.11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Now I'm going to use all my persuasive powers to bring that person to the Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing we're going to go to heaven is, is one thing, but embracing the knowledge changes us. And knowing that we're going to go to, to, to give an account to the Lord Jesus Christ, it affects our minds, it affects our focus. See, it affects every part of us. See, if we just know it, it's only going to affect our knowledge. But when we embrace it, it's going to affect our heart. It's going to affect our heart. It's going to affect our will. And we're going to say to ourselves, you know, when I give an account to the Lord Jesus Christ, I'll be giving an account of, of, of my one and only chance opportunity here on earth to bring the lost homes to him, the lost ones home to him. I got this one and only. So to embrace that knowledge, in other words, to take it from just head doctrine, head knowledge, okay, I'm going to, I have to give an account to the Lord. And then to embrace it, pull it in really hard so it just, it it, it becomes changing your heart. See, then it's to say, you know what I want to do? I want to be able to say to the Lord when I go to heaven, Lord, I want, I, let me introduce you to Jack over here. Or let, let me introduce you to Sue. And, and, and I worked hard. And you know what happened? Jack and Sue got saved. Okay? I'm happy to do that. And I had a chance and an opportunity while I was living down there on earth. And I know I had a window of opportunity. But, 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 but Lord, I was thinking about that, that I was going to have to give you an account for what I did when I was down there. And so, you know, and, 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 so, and your promise said I was going li- to go to be with you forever. And I embraced that promise so hard 
And so shall we ever, and, and we have to stand before the Lord. I embraced those promises so hard that it caused me to win Jack and Sue over here. And, and they're saying, see, that's satisfaction. And Abraham was satisfied in life because he knew, he embraced, he was persuaded by the promises that he was going to spend eternity with God. And then Abraham had this severe satisfaction and fulfillment in life because he knew his sins were atoned for. See, the Bible doesn't beautify Abraham. We've been studying Abraham. Abraham was presented in some pretty lousy ways. I mean, we weren't presented in a lousy way. I mean, Abraham was presented pretty lousy in some places. You know, all of his sins and his faults were there. And, and, but, but Abraham knew that God had covered his sins. And he was especially aware of this when he was on Mount Moriah, when Abraham offered up this ram in the stead of Isaac. And, 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 and the, that whole phrase, in the stead of, he got it. And, and so Abraham had severe, he had satisfaction, he had fulfillment. See, no one can be satisfied and fulfilled in life unless they know their sins are covered, sins are forgiven by God. And, and then Abraham had this satisfaction or fulfillment of life because he responded to God. He came to God when God called him. God called Abraham that momentous time in Genesis 12.1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, from thy father's house unto a land that I'll show you. And I'll make thee of thee a great nation. I'll bless thee, make thy name great. That'll be a blessing. I'll bless them that bless thee, curse him that curses thee, and thee all the families of the earth should be blessed. Now, most important part of that is the next verse. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and lot with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. Those are just a few words in those verses that changed Abraham's life from having an unsatisfied, unfulfilled life to having a severe, satisfied and fulfilled life. Those words, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. God called Abraham in verse one. He said, get thee out. He said, walk, you walk, 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 you walk, lech lecha, you walk. He said, get thee out of your country, from your people, your kindred, from your father's house to land that I'll show you. And with that invitation, the decision was all on Abraham. It was all up to Abraham to obey or not to obey. That's the question. And, and, and Abraham obeyed God's invitation to leave and come. And that's at the heart of the gospel call, which is, which is just as, as much a command invitation for everyone as it was for Abraham to leave. God didn't say, you know, if you'd like to. He, he said, he said Lech lecha. He says, walk, you walk. Leave, you leave. Go, you go. It was a command. There was no doubt about it. And God's command is called an invitation because man has a choice of whether or not to obey. That's why it's called a command invitation. See, to obey the gospel invitation, is, that's to have the satisfied and the fulfilled life. No one can have a satisfied, a severe, satisfied and fulfilled life unless they obey God's command invitation. See, the Lord Jesus Christ, he called out that gospel command invitation. And if you like, turn to it, please. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30 was, was when the Lord called out the gospel command invitation. Go ahead and turn to it. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, it says there, this is, this is the gospel command invitation in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. So I'm asking you to turn to it because I'm going to ask you some questions. So he says in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, he says, come unto me, 
All ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what in these three verses tells you that this invitation is a command? We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God in just a moment. We'd like to encourage you to be a part of Jewish evangelism and reaching lost Jewish people around this nation with the Summer Blitz that Tom Cantor, the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, is supporting with 110 missionaries going out to 14 Jewish cities in the U.S. and Canada. Now, that started this week, and we'd like you to support us financially to help get the gospel out to the Jewish people. To encourage you, we are offering Tom Cantor's life story on DVD as well as a combination book of his personal testimony, frequently asked questions that are asked by Jewish people, and 194 prophecy and fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of this information in one book will give you both of these resources and materials for a donation of $40 or more, which will support this Bible teaching radio program and the gospel going to Jewish people. Call us now at 800-247-3051-800-247-3051. It's all about come, take, learn. There's no, if you'd like to come, then go ahead. You know, there's no, if you'd like to take, then go ahead and take. You know, there's no, if you'd like to learn, then go ahead and learn. No, there's no, if you'd like to, then go ahead and. This is, this is come, take, learn. Now, so in this command invitation made to everyone, is it made to everyone or to a certain group of people? Uh, How is everyone described? You got to look at the verse to know the answer. Yeah, it, it is to everyone, but the, the everyone is especially those who know that they are laboring and are heavy laden. See, people are laboring and they're heavy burdened. Now, within this group, what word tells you that everyone within this group is to come and, and not just a few? You already said it a little earlier. All. It's all. It's all. And, and what promise does the Lord Jesus make for those who come, take, and learn? What's the promise? Rest. I'll give you rest. You'll find rest. And, and, and what kind of rest are we talking about? Where would they feel this rest? In their souls, right, in their souls. This is a rest in the soul. This is not a rest of the body. This is a rest in the soul. This is a severe rest. This is a severe satisfaction. This is a severe fulfillment that, that Abraham found in, in, in Genesis 25, 8, where we've been studying. It's not a rest for the body. It's a rest for the soul. It's a via rest of a satisfied and a fulfilled life. I always found it interesting that my Jewish atheist friend, I have many Jewish atheist friends, but this particular Jewish atheist friend, Al Rodbell, he, he likes to come to the Creation Museum and writes a blog online, and, and that Al can quote these verses and the reference perfectly. See, he's an atheist. And, and, and he told me that these verses are his favorite Bible verses. <laughs> why? I always said, why? Why? Because every human heart down deep is seeking for that ultimate, final answer to the question that every human heart is asking, which was, which that question is in Matthew eleven thirteen, same chapter, and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? See, that's the question. Now, this command invitation is given to a certain group of people. There are two descriptions of the people. What are the two descriptions? They and they what? And are. That's it. Good. All right. So the, see, they labor. 
So they labor, in other words, they're struggling to find rest for their restless souls. They're struggling to find Sevilla. They're struggling to find satisfaction and fulfillment in life. But they're frustrated because all they do to find the severe rest in their souls just continues to make them more restless, and it's frustrating, and it's annoying, and it's exasperating, and it's maddening. Because just when they think they've achieved some goal that holds out the promise of giving them a severe rest of the soul, and they achieve it, they find that it doesn't bring the severe rest of the soul. So the first description of those who labor, which describes all this hard work and this effort into trying to find this elusive, severe rest for the soul, this description of those who labor describe what they're doing. They're doing, they're laboring to find this severe rest for the soul. They're working very hard at it. But the second description's different. The second description is that they're heavy laden. They're heavy burden. That describes how they feel as they work hard to find what Abraham found, the severe rest for the soul. They feel burdened. They feel laden down. They feel weighted down. They feel worn out. They feel exhausted. See, this life searching for the severe rest for the soul has left them just tired and beat. And why is the human heart so restless? Well, what is the problem? Why, so, why does it not have this severe rest? What is it that's causing the soul to be so restless and not have severe rest? Well, first... The soul has no severe rest because of the sins of the past, especially the sins when a person was young. Really, young people really have a, a way of really filling up the tally. I remember we had an accountant that worked for us, and he had a daughter that was a real challenge to him. And one time he said to his daughter, he said, when you get old, you're going to be great. He said, he said to her, he says, because he said, you will have done everything wrong possible when you were young. <laughs> My Israeli friend told me that when he was young and, and living in the kibbutz in the 1960s, that there was this group of immoral Polish Jewish girls there, and he said, I did a lot of chet, a lot of sins, and, and, and those, those are the sins of the youth. Sins of the youth. See, the prophet Jeremiah uh, spoke about the sins of the youth and how they torment a person and make the soul restless when he said in Jeremiah 31, 18 through 19, I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself thus. Thou hast chastised me, and I was chastised. As a bullock unaccustomed to the yoke, turn thou me, I shall be turned. For thou art the Lord of my God. Surely after that I was turned, I repented, and after I was instructed, he says, I smote my thigh. I smote my thigh. I was ashamed, yea, even confounded, because I did bear the reproach of him. He says, I smote my thigh. I was ashamed. Why did he smote his thigh? Because of the chet. My Israeli friend still remembers the sins of his thigh. I smote my thigh. I was ashamed. It was all those memories of sins and the shame that made his soul restless. I did bear the reproach of my youth. It was the reproach of his youth, he says, that made his soul restless. And what else makes the soul not have the severe rest? When a person knows that he has wasted his life in a futile search for the severe rest for the soul, and, and, he's, and he, he's, he's driven himself into poverty of the soul, soul poverty. See, that scene in the prodigal son when he said after he had taken all that his father had given him and spent it in a wild life of pleasure to find the severe rest for his soul. And then he said in Luke 15, 17, and when he had come to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger? 
See, what else is, takes away the severe rest from the soul? The intolerable is an intolerable weight deep down that a person knows he's going to stand before God in judgment for his sins. He will stand before God and be judged for his sins. Suppress it all he will, he knows. It's intolerable, that weight. That's what caused the publican, the intolerable weight of that, to beat his chest and to pray in Luke 18, 13, and the publican standing afar off would not so much would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, but smote his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So what else takes severe rest from the soul? Preaching. Preaching takes severe rest from the soul. If you're lost, preaching is not comforting. Preaching is, is disturbing because it tells you you've transgressed God's commandments. That takes severe rest from the soul. That's what happened to those who heard Peter and the rest of the apostles when they were preaching, as it says in Acts 2.37. And when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? The Bible-based preaching, it just pokes away like a rose thorn in the heart. It takes away the severe rest from the soul. It brings a person to say, what shall we do? What shall we do to find the severe rest for the soul? What else makes a person uh, uh, restless with no severe rest for the soul? It, it, it's that after doing all this searching, there's still this intolerable hunger in the heart. There's this thirst in the soul. It's like a big giant hole in the heart. It won't go away except by coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. As he said, in John 6, 35, and Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth in me shall never thirst. And, and does a person, and, and, and so let's just say now a person is responding to all this, this, this weight and, 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 and restlessness. What does he have to do to find God's severe rest for, so, severe rest for the soul? He has to believe that God can help him. He has to turn to God and say, you can help me find the severe rest for my soul. That's what the Jewish people are going to do when their restless souls are terrifying them. They'll first believe that God can help them. And, and, and that's recorded, the, this change of heart is recorded in Hosea 6.1 when their conversation is actually recorded when it says, come and let us return unto the Lord for he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. See, the Lord Jesus Christ gave his command invitation to come, and the Jewish people will come when they believe. And yes, he's torn, but he will heal us. Yes, he's smitten, but he will bind us up. See, they'll come to Jehovah Jesus when they believe that he will heal us and he will bind us up. And no one will come to the Lord Jesus Christ for the severe rest for the soul unless he believes his promise. I will give you rest. Come unto me, you'll find rest unto your souls. No one will come to Jehovah Jesus for severe rest for the soul unless they believe his promise as stated in Psalm 55, 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, he shall sustain thee. And no one will cast all their care upon God unless they believe that he cares for them, as Peter said in 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. So, so the gospel command invitation to find this severe rest for the soul is all about the word Come. It's all about coming. The gospel command invitation is simply to come. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And the work of the Holy Spirit on the hearts of man is to call out to them, come, come. In essence, that's our work as gospel workers. Our work is to say, come, come. 
And the Bible beautifully puts us together with the Spirit and the Spirit of God. And when it says in the, in the end of the Bible in Revelation 22, 17, the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth come, and him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Another tremendous day of teaching here on the Friendship with God radio program with our Bible teacher and born-again Jewish believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, Tom Cantor. Tom Cantor, the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, has launched a Jewish evangelism outreach campaign that goes all the way from this week to August 4th. And it goes out to 14 U.S. and Canadian cities to reach lost Jewish people in major Jewish cities. Now, we want to help bring the gospel to the Jewish people first as the scripture commands, for example, in Romans 1.16, that we should bring the gospel to the Jewish people first. And we're doing that with 110 missionaries from Israel Restoration Ministries working all summer to reach lost Jewish people door-to-door, trying to go to over 700,000 residences to reach lost Jewish people with the gospel. Now, we've got a copy of these gospel materials, Tom Cantor's testimony on DVD, as well as a combination book of his personal written life story, as well as Frequently Asked Questions book by Jewish people, and Prophecy and Fulfillment of the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ book. All of these in one book. You can get all these materials for a donation of $40 or more, which will also support our Summer Jewish Blitz campaign to reach hundreds of thousands of lost Jewish people. Now, you can call us at 800 247 3051 for a donation of $40 or more. We'll send you these materials. 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, or go to friendshipwithgod.org to donate and support Jewish evangelism, friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Israel Restoration Ministries, go to israelrestoration.org, israelrestoration.org, or again, call us with your donation of any amount, at 800-247-3051. And again, for a donation of $40 or more, we'll send you all those materials from Tom Cantor, 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening.